Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. I'm suspecting that this will probably be the first of many podcasts over the this fall season where we're talking about new books coming out. I think today we're going to be discussing the ones that we are super excited for or, you know, the ones that are from the big name authors. But fall is just always packed with the new releases because it's almost like it's the Oscar season for books. Mm-hmm. So we... I expect that you'll be hearing lots more as we find out about new things that are coming out or new things that we've discovered that we wanted to read. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So Nicole and I each have a list of the books we're most excited about coming out. Oh, mostly uh, September and October, although I've got a few late August ones in here too. Um, we have not compared notes yet, so we don't know whether uh we've overlapped we thought it might be kind of fun to wait till we got on the show to find out and see how uh consistent our taste really is so um we, we may, each we picked may have... seven to ten books so either this is going to be a very short show or a very <laughs> long show yeah so we'll try to go quickly we'll give you an idea of what the book is about who wrote it when it's coming out and maybe we can say a little bit about why it appeals to us maybe it's a book we've already read something by that author Maybe it reminds us of another book. Um, maybe we picked it up at BEA and it looked good then. So we'll we'll give a quick little reason for why it ended up on our list as we progress through. But before we do that, Gail, what have you been reading lately? Oh, so I finished Bachelor Nation. Okay. Which is the behind-the-scenes book about The Bachelor, which was good. It's just exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, I think I gave it three stars, which for that book was not actually meant to be, um, negative. It's just, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, but it was, it, it kept my attention. And, um, I've started a book called The Dependence, um, which is going slowly, uh, I have to say. And it's by, I want to say her name is Catherine Dion or something. Um, it's about a couple, in a, kind of an older couple, and the wife dies, and it's just about their marriage. Catherine Dion, D-I-O-N. And it's about their marriage, and um, I guess we're going to get into, like, you know, things that the husband sort of discovers about his wife after she died, and, you know, how happy was she? Uh-oh, is, she, get... is it going to be a sociopath wife? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I think it's like, it's kind of a quiet novel. I don't think a whole lot happens. I think it's a very interior, like, uh, they're calling it a wise novel. So totally the opposite of the psychopathic husband books I've been reading. Um, it may be a little too quiet for me because it's, I have a lot going on right now and it's not, um, I'm finding that I'm not really reading a lot. Like I, I sort of read a few pages before bed, but I'm not like compelled to get back to it. And then speaking also of slow, I'm still like trudging through Vox, which I'm doing on audio. And like I said, I don't have a lot of time on audio right now. So that's moving slowly too. But I feel like it's kind of deteriorating. I don't know if you've read any reviews of it, but it kind of starts out one way and then it turns like a little action thrillery. Hmm. And so, I don't know, I kind of want to like knock it off in paper so that I can move on to another audio because it's just not, it's like, it's stressful and it's kind of, kind of making, I don't know, it's maybe not the right book for my 
my particular this particular week of my life. That's interesting. I set aside yesterday. I got the time, um, which I basically read for the time off book sections. Mm-hmm. That's the section I read first. I won't say I, I just read that, but they reviewed it. Um, so it's oh, Vox. Yeah, it's one of the books. They it's called. They say Silence of Women, and of course they make the Handmaid's Tale comparison. But they recommend it. They also recommended this week another book that I really, that I liked, that I said, I think on the show, I said that it might be difficult reading, or not not quite difficult, but the narrative there, there are some narrative tricks that are going on that you sort of have to read the whole book and then see what you think about it, and I thought it was worthwhile. It's called His Favorites by Kate Walbert. And they mentioned that book. They exposed a little too much of the story for me, but they're recommending that as well. So I thought that was interesting that there were a couple of books that we had either read or were in the process of reading that they um, recommended. So Now, his story, I picked that up at BEA, too. It's very small, right? Yeah, his favorites. Yeah. Okay, good. I'll look at that one. Yeah, it's 150 pages. Not necessarily quick reading, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, how about you? What are you reading right now? Uh, there was one more book that I wanted to get to from you that you owed us. Um, I think you were reading A Beautiful, Terrible Thing, and you were in the oh. middle of it. So. Yep, I finished that too. Um, okay, so that's like a psychopathic husband in real life. So that's a memoir about a woman who discovers that her husband has been cheating on her when they have like a three-week-old baby, and then over time, all of these secrets come out of, you know, that he's a bad guy. It's fine. It's like, because it's real life, he's not nearly as awful as all these like horrible psychopathic men in these popcorn thrillers. So there's no killing or murder plots. No, there's no killing. I mean, he's just, he's just kind of, you know, an, a, a dishonest, cheating guy. Right. Um, who turns out has no empathy and no guilt. Um, but he's not, it, it's, when I finished it, I was like, did I need to read an entire memoir about that? Like, it was unfortunate what happened to her, and there's a little bit of that kind of roadkill element that you, like, you can't look away and get into it, and you find out the things he does. And you're very sympathetic to her, because what a terrible thing to happen to her. But, like, I'm not so sure that her story is so novel that it just needed to be turned into a memoir. I'm sure it was very therapeutic for her. Right. But it was, like, in the end, I was kind of like, you know, I, I could probably have gotten away with not reading that book. Okay. Yeah. So you? So me. I feel like I go through these phases where I read a lot and I finish a lot of stuff. And then sometimes I just don't finish anything. So I'm sort of in a slow point. I feel like over the weekend, I'll probably finish four or five things that I've, you know, that have sort of been simmering and that I've been working on. I did manage to finish Cersei. Okay. I had not finished it by the time my book club discussed it, but I had things to say because something happened in the middle of that book that I, that just, I don't know, it, it sort of annoyed me. So I had things to say about that. And one of my questions with this, um, incident that occurs, I guess, midway, um, the book, I had a question on whether there was something when I finished the story that would have justified having this thing happen and for me, it didn't. I just thought it was sort of gratuitous and and irritating. Um, but I did finish the book. I enjoyed the book. It, I did not enjoy it as much as I liked The Song of Achilles. And 
I probably is that the same author. This is that's the same author, Madeline Miller. Okay. Um, I also probably would not have finished it if I wasn't reading it for my book club because it just it was slow for so long for me. And when it did get good, I did really enjoy it. But in the beginning, I don't know. I just don't do well with books, especially in the beginning, if you have a ton of characters. Like, I just, it's just disconcerting to follow, you know, hold so many stories. And some of the stories are just minutiae. They're not really important. Mm -hmm. And especially with mythology, you're just sort of cycling through, you know, different people or... There's a lot of that. So getting to the story and getting to the point where it's hers and, and it's compelling. I don't know. I just didn't find it compelling all the way through. Okay. How did your book club like it? Um, you know, I think they liked it. They're, like we discussed a few moments from it. This book club is really interesting because I feel like we don't hang together. I don't think we each read the same things. Like we have one woman in our book club who enjoys essays and sort of humor sort of books and one woman like science fiction. So I don't think that we're particularly reading our genre, you know, or our comfort zone, which makes it interesting for discussions. A lot of the books I have liked, um, I can't say that Cersei generated a whole bunch of discussion besides what I brought up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we jump into the fall books, and I think we can just do our usual kind of alternate back and forth. And um, why don't we again say the name of the book, the title, when it's coming out, brief synopsis of what it's about, and why we're excited to read it. And if and, and as soon as one of us says a book, just say whether it's on the other person's list or not. Okay. <laughs> You want to go? Why don't you get started? I accept those rules. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first on my list is um, it might not be on your list because if you concentrated on books that are coming out September October, but it is coming out this fall and it is Michelle Obama's book Becoming. That's that's funny. I was going to put it on and then I said I have a feeling Nicole will have this and I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm so excited to read her book. I what, What's the date that's coming out? Um, Just hold on. It's going to be a biggie. It's going to be a biggie. You know, what was really interesting to me is that they did not have her. She was not at BEA. Mm-hmm. But they did have her do the librarian conference. Okay. So they brought her out and she spoke to the librarians. Of course, it's Michelle Obama's book, so... There doesn't, you know, they really don't have to provide a description of it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it's Michelle. Well, I'm actually curious to know is it um, is it a memoir of her whole life to date, or is it? I believe um, so. From the White House, what little that I've gleaned of it, it's going to be concentrating on up her upbringing, what shaped her, her career, and and yeah, some some of what she felt like to be you know, the fact that she had such a, a historic role in the White House administration for those eight years. So I think it's going to be all of that, you know, how she balances motherhood and work, mm-hmm. her childhood on the south side of Chicago. Um, and it says, and standing with her husband as he led America through most of its harrowing moments. 
480 pages. So wow. it's out November 13th. Is it? Um, okay, so do we know, I assume it was ghostwritten. Do we know anything about that process or who it is? Really? You think it's ghostwritten? From her? Oh, I, I don't know. From her, I would believe, I think that she wrote it herself. Oh, okay, even better. I mean, that's my guess. I don't, I mean, she, yeah, I just don't see why she would have had a ghostwriter. I guess because I think of her as a lawyer and someone who has something to say, but she might have. Mm-hmm. When they're ghostwritten, I don't think they tell you that they're ghostwritten. I mean. Right. No, I think they don't. But I wonder if, you know, if there's any. Sometimes they will talk a little bit about the process of how it came about. I'm just curious to know. Yeah. I mean, I think that everything right now is pretty close to the vest. We might find out some more information later on. But right now it's just sort of like, yeah, this is Michelle Obama's book. And we know that everybody wants it. So we don't have to tell you anything. Yeah. I think that's right. And it's going to have probably an unbelievable debut. Yes. Yeah. Has has Barack Barack Obama, he hasn't written his yet, I don't think. Because this was was sort of a record-breaking deal that they both, you know, that um, Crown negotiated or Random House negotiated for both of their books. And why do I feel like he committed to more than one? Is that not true? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that they... They got the pair of them for their first books out of the... Right. So they got a 65... The Obama's got a $65 million book advance. So they... <laughs> God. And, Good for them. <laughs> um, yeah, they did a joint deal. It's bigger than any previous presidential book deal in history. Um, an unprecedented amount of money for a presidential memoir. Yeah, and it's more than they thought. They were thinking that his memoir would probably go for $20 million and that combined they would go for $45 million, but um, they got $65 million. It's amazing. Bill Clinton got $15 million, they said, and Hillary Clinton got an $11.5 million advance. Wow. So. I guess some of that's inflation, but that's quite a, that's quite a uh, differentiator. So that's nice. Now we see why he was hanging with Richard Branson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, so my first one is called A Cloud in the Shape of a Girl. It is by Jean Thompson. It comes out in October and October 9th. And this would be the second book I've read by Jean Thompson. She wrote a book called The Year We Left Home, which I reviewed in 2011. It was one of my favorite books of the year. And this one, A Cloud in the Shape of a Girl, is about three generations of women in a Midwestern family. And I think it's grandmother, daughter, and granddaughter. And it sort of goes, spans from World War II to present. So it's one of those sweeping novels following, you know, linked people. So it's exactly my type of book. And um, I don't know. I really, really liked her last book. And I'm really looking forward to this one. I believe I have this in the house. I picked this up at Book Expo. I think you did too. And, uh, I've seen this on a couple of lists and I'm, I'm really excited about this. So as far as like top books coming out that I want to add to my list, this is high on it. Looking through Goodreads, you're someone who gave it two stars, which that's (laughs) not so great, but there's a lot of four and fives in here too. So given my past with this author and the, just how it's billed, this seems like something I'm excited about. 
Okay, so my next book is The Clockmaker's Daughter by Kate Morton, which I'm actually in the middle of reading. I'm about halfway through. And I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast that it is classic Kate Nor- Kate Morton. You know, it's got the dual timelines, the present day story, and the historical story going on. Um, it, it's a little bit of a sort of ha- old haunted house, possibly ghost story. And so if you're a Kate Morton fan, you know, of course, there is going to be some kind of love story. And I'm watching it unfold. I like both the historical storyline and the present day storyline. So that's always good um, when both are sort of when both past and present hold your attention um, equally. I think that's always good with with any novel that has dual narratives. Cause sometimes I find when I'm reading a novel and it has dual narratives, like you're really invested in one time period, but you know, the rest of it is sort of ho-hum, mm-hmm. but she's just a good writer. It's just really engaging. And it's interesting that it's called the clockmaker's daughter because there is a clockmaker's daughter in here, but he is such a, he's such a fleeting character. He's not in the book very long. He does shape his daughter's life. And the fact of his absence because she already, her mother had died. So she sort of left in the care of these people and that's what drives the story. So it's just, it's just interesting to me how we have these titles where the characters are defined by a man and he's not even for this story. He's not even really present that much. Maybe it's, they just wanted that daughter title. Yeah. I think the daughter, you and I lament the (laughs) the daughter title sell somebody's daughter. Yeah. Um, and we, we already spoke about how her titles are sort of generic anyway. Kate Morton. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. But yeah. So if you're a Kate Morton fan, definitely put this on your list. If you like historical fiction and old haunted houses and dual timelines, then you should pick this up too. I noticed in Goodreads this morning that you are in the midst of it. Yes. Um, okay, so my next is actually two books, but they're paired because they're fiction and nonfiction about the same thing. And coincidentally, there are two books coming out this fall about the real Lolita. So the story behind the person who is in, who inspired Vladimir Nabokov's novel Lolita, which is one of my favorite books. So um, I picked up both of these at Book Expo. One of them, I think, was the Buzz book, which was the mem- the nonfiction version. That's called The Real Lolita. It comes out on 9-11. The author, Sarah Weinman, she actually just wrote an article about this for Vanity Fair, which, so if you're interested in hearing more about her perspective, she talks about her book, and then she talks also about the coincidental release of the uh, the fiction version. So I'm excited to read them both. Um the Real Lolita, again, that comes out next month, and it just goes through into the detail of this girl, young girl, who was kidnapped and forced to travel with this man, her captor, for a period of time. And that is, again, what inspired Lolita. So I want to read that. And then the, the fictional version is called Rust and Stardust. It actually already came out a couple weeks ago on August 7th. It's by T. Greenwood, and it's the fictional version. So one thing that's kind of interesting about this Vanity Fair article is her talking about the liberties that a fiction writer can take with facts versus what the nonfiction writer has to do. Um, and she doesn't in any way belittle or demean the other book. She's just saying that it's, you know, it's just a different, 
it's a different animal. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I'm interested to read both of them. I think you're going to see a fair amount of attention given to the real Lolita. I have seen Rust and Stardust a few places since it came out a couple weeks ago. So if you're if you're a Nabokov Lolita fan, uh, you might want to pick one or both of these books up. Yeah, I have the one. I probably wanted to read the other. Which one did you get? The uh, oh, you got the Buzzbook one, right? Yep, the real Lolita. Mm-hmm. Well, I have the other one, so if you're interested, in, I can be happy to lend it to you. So next up is on my list is Barbara King Solvers Unsheltered. Okay, not on mine. Not on yours. So yeah. I really like the Poisonwood Bible. I remember really loving it. I vaguely remember it's about missionaries. It's one of those books that at this point I've read so long ago that I could probably read it again. Um, because my the detail of it has faded some. So I, I really have always enjoyed her work. I read the Poisonwood Bible, and I think I read Flight Behavior. I didn't read the Lacuna. Um, her works... She usually has a historical time period or something. And this is no different. This is about this woman who basically she has raised her kids. She has empty nest syndrome. The magazine that she works is no longer employing her. And she's fallen behind in her bills. So she's looking for a way to have her house, um, I guess, declared eligible for historical preservation. So she's doing a bunch of research. She's investigating her home. And of course, she in her research, she discovers this other story that takes place when this house was a part of a, um, a, a utopian community in the late 1800s. So I don't know. Barbara Kingsolver, her work is always, is always so carefully researched and the characterizations are good. They're just such good reading experiences. If you like the old house thing, I always like the historical component and when people go in search of information like that. Um, they also say about this book that it's sort of relevant for our times. And, and maybe I'm thinking, she says it herself. She writes an introduction to the reader because actually I just got an advanced copy of this yesterday. It came in the mail. And... So she mentions that she's looking at lots of different questions, how with her last book, she felt like the world was on the cusp of changing and people having to operate in completely different ways. And then she, then we had this administrative change. And this is the first book that she's written in the midst of that. So she discusses that as lots of the influences for this book. So I'm really excited to read that. I don't think I've read any Barbara King Solver since college. What did you it's, read in I, college? Um, I, I'm not even sure I remember what it was. If I can remember what it was, it would have been in the 90s. So, um, Poisonwood Bible? No, I never, I never read the Poisonwood Bible. Hmm, the Bean Trees. The Bean Trees. I was going to say, I, actually, that's what I was going to guess, is that it was the Bean Trees. Um, I read The Bean Trees. I liked it. That was years and years ago. Or no, maybe it was Animal Dreams. Or maybe it was both. Right. I definitely read Animal Dreams. I may have also read The Bean Trees. I don't really remember them. I remember liking them. Do you? Um, and I just haven't picked up anything else. Do you know why that is? No. Not, I, I don't know. Not why. your topic. I mean, there's so much stuff. There's so many books. I don't know. Maybe it's like it seems to... Um, nature driven like 
if you just reading her descriptions, right. I'm on her website that like so much of them, it seems that, um, the natural setting plays a big role. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that's not necessarily my thing. So I think that whenever given the choice, I will just sort of pass along. I will say this, that there was a quote I read about um, her nonfiction book, Animal Vegetable Miracle, about eating local. And um, there was such a great quote that I always think of her, which is that we're going to look back. She was talking about like, people have been so spoiled by like eating grapes in the middle of the winter because we fly them to wherever they are from like Chile. And she said, we're going to look back and think we wasted the last of the fossil fuels in indulging our need for like year round eating of, of seasonal foods, which I just thought was so perceptive. Like that was, it was so eye opening to me that it's like, that's true. We're forcing, right. We've been trucking all this stuff all over the place. We forced this, this way of, you know, um, like, uh, this way of life that's not natural and it's a huge waste of energy. So anyway, that's, that's my takeaway from a book I didn't read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So I'm going to do my next one. Go for it. Are you finished? You're done. You're done with a barbecue. I am. Okay. So my next one is called sold on a Monday. And I picked this book up at book expo. It actually came out um, this week it came out two days ago, so it's not technically a fall read, but it's it new. is a fall and read. Yes, it's it by... is. Okay, all right. It's by Christine McMorris, and it's about the depression. And a woman is driving through a depressed town. Um, I don't know where it is. It says it could be anywhere—a farmhouse porch—and she sees these two kids with a sign that says two children for sale. And it's this reporter and she is so sort of intrigued by this story. And who is this mother that has opted to put her children? She's so desperate. She's opted to put her children for sale. And it's kind of just all about this photograph that's taken of these kids and what happens from there. Apparently there, there really was such a photograph. So it's inspired by a true picture and, um, I don't know. I thought, that seemed to me like an irresistible premise for a book. So I have it and I'm, I'm excited to read it. I haven't really heard much about it, um, since then, but I, I definitely want to read it. Yeah. I'm actually trying to remember. Oh yeah. Here, Christine McMorris, Christina McMorris. So, um, this was at source books, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, so the next one that's on my list is a book that we picked it up at BEA. I have seen lots of buzz around this book um, from bloggers and from people who are writing the lists of these, you know, the big books of the fall lists. And it's Melmoth by Sarah Perry. Um, hmm. I don't remember that one. I did. I have seen that around, but I'm not so sure I picked it up. I'm looking through my list of books that I got at Book Expo, and I don't know if I got that one. So it's one of these books that appeals to me. It's just it's just so my type of book. It's such catnip. It's about this woman who has, she left England years ago. She's been working as a translator in Prague, and then she discovers this mysterious library, mysterious letter in the library with a, tra- uh, with they say, a strange confession. 
and a curious warning that speaks of Melmoth the Witness. So it's like fairy tale and folklore that's mixed. And so it's just one of these historical stories that's combining a lot of things that I'm interested in. She wrote The Essex Serpent, and supposedly this is the follow-up to that. So I have to do a little bit of digging to see if it's something that I can just read without reading the other book. And maybe that's why I had so much excitement around it, because, too, it's, it seems like it might be sort of a sequel now that I'm looking a little bit more deeply into it. But I love the cover and, you know, missing letters and people doing investigations and, you know, prophecies for the end of the world and people going missing are just sort of right up my alley. Part myth, part fable, part mystery. I'm in. Yeah. That's probably why I didn't pick it up, because that's not usually my... <laughs> trifecta (laughs) I have seen that around though so clearly lots of people are in your camp Um, okay so my next one is Family Trust by Kathy Wang so and I have to say about the real Lolita I didn't put it on my list because I was like Gail's gonna put that on her list yes all right so so this one was on your list Family Trust or no yes okay all right so we just made the podcast about three minutes shorter Right. Um, so this is by Kathy Wang. It comes out on October 30th, and it seems to me to be like the nest, but in Silicon Valley. So it's about a patriarch of a family who has just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and may or may not have a big fortune to dispense with upon his death. And then it's all about his kids and his wife and his ex-wife, and everyone's kind of waiting around to see what's the fortune and who is it going to go to. So it just seems like, you know, one of those family inheritance dramas that you and I find so irresistible. Do you know anything more than that about this book? Nope, not really. I like the cover, too. Yes, it's got our florals on it. (laughs) It's like red and... Yes. (laughs) Red with pretty gold flowers on it. Looks like wallpaper. They're onto something. Obviously, they work. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It looks like wallpaper, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The title is, the subtitle is Some of Us Are More Equal Than Others, which just like, you have to read that, right? Right. Yeah. So the cover of Melmoth, it is, it's darker and it's dark blue and it seems like it has, these look to me like feathers and they have like these birds flying across the moon. So it's not floral, but it is sort of typical of that sort of indistinguishable design or, you know, just like a design that, you know, who knows? I don't know. Those could be leaves. But it sort of has the same thing, too. So now I'm just noticing these all over the place. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, they've discovered human catnip. It's it's <laughs> florals and waves and sort of vague, indistinguishable pictures. Right. Um, one thing to add about Family Trust is that it's an Asian-American family, which I think is a nice twist because that's not, um, I don't know, not typical maybe for this type of book, or at least I, I have not read an Asian, like an Asian American version of the nest. So um, maybe the sort of recent success of Crazy Rich Asians, the books and the movie is making, is, is sort of demonstrating to publishers that there is a very big appetite for books about Asian Americans or about Asians in general. So um, there anyway. is another one, isn't it like the number one Chinese restaurant or something? Yes, that was set in Rockville, Maryland. Um, I was, I'm actually interested in reading that one. Me too. Yeah. Okay, your turn. 
Okay, so my next book, I have talked so much about Tana French, and I think it may actually be Tana French, but I have talked so much about her. She's got a new book coming out. Um, she usually writes, a, she's written a series, I guess, of basically interconnected detective stories. So when you read one of her novels, basically you'll have the main detective who is working a case, but along the lines in the, in the novel, you will, re, you will meet a character who usually is going to show up as the main character of the next book. So she's written about four, maybe five of those. Um, my favorite is The Likeness. I also really liked In a Dark Wood. Um, there's a book about Frank Mackey. I can't think of the name. I think it's Faithful Place, which I think technically might have been her best book, but I really didn't like Frank. Um, so anyway, saying all that to say that if you like mystery stories and she adds a little extra in her mystery stories they're always so well written and usually about something that's going on in the culture of modern day Ireland you know um she just she is really good about tying modern day problems into what's going on in her mysteries and usually the mysteries like the things that the detectives are investigating sometimes they are from 20 years previous so you get a mix of both worlds so very excited that she has a new book coming out it's called the witch elm it's not a part of the series it's a standalone but it definitely hits all of my beats in terms of it is about someone who well he's beaten after he's out celebrating with friends and he has to return home to recover and he basically finds a skull that's hidden um, at the trunk of an elm tree in a garden. So it's all about detectives are going to be investigating this and what possibly could have gone on in his family that, you know, there is a skull in their estate. And it says that, you know, he doesn't know. he He's forced to face the possibility that his past may not be what he's always believed. So pure catnip. Hmm. Okay. I Love the you... author. You know, seems like there's going to be dual time periods. There is a skull hidden. I know you love her, so that I've been seeing I that do. around. I was excited so, for you. I actually have a digital review copy of this. Um, I'm probably going to wait though and just buy it so that I can read it. Yeah, read it in print. I want to read it in print. I want to turn the pages, and I know I want to have it. So, yeah. Okay, so my next one, you and I sat in line for this book for a while, is called Gone So Long by Andre Debus III. This, this book is going to get a lot of attention because he's famous and his grandfather, I guess it was his father, is famous. Um, I have not read anything by him. Um, I've read, I've read uh, Debus Sr., but not Debus III. And this book comes out October 2nd. It's called Gone So Long, as I mentioned, and it's about an estranged father and daughter and how they try to come to terms with their relationship. So um, I don't know a whole lot about it or him, but it sounded pretty appealing. And judging by the line of people trying to get this book, there's clearly something there. So um, you and I have this, and at some point, hopefully I'll get to it. So I love this. I love mentioning this story because Gail was going to leave this book, and now, and she's mentioned it now. <laughs> it's been one of her... <laughs> Her go-to books for a couple of podcasts, you mentioned it when we talked about 
the books we were most excited about for BEA, and now here it is popping up in the fall. Was and I, I saw, going to leave it behind, or was I going to get out of gonna line? You were going to leave it behind. You were just like, no, this line is too long, and I'm just oh, like, Gail, oh. no, oh. he wrote, um, what was it that he wrote that I loved? Oh, The House of Sand and Fog. The House of, the house of Sand and Fog. Yeah. I was like, we can't leave this line. So I am so happy and vindicated <laughs> <laughs> to see that you are so excited about this book. Yeah, I get um, irritated when lines take too long, so um, you forced me to stay, which was good. Yes. And here it is on my list. You're right. Nicole was right and Gail was wrong. So there, this will not be another gentleman in Moscow. No, this is in my house. Because <laughs> I think you ditched, you ditched that. Well, that's yeah. different. So that I waited in line, and then I couldn't fit it in the box, and I left right. that one behind. You'll be happy to know it is in my house. It's not signed to me like the last one was, but it is in my house now. Oh, really? Where'd yeah. you get it? Uh, my mom, I think I gave it to my mom and then she finished it and I said I would take it back. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. So um, you're next. How many have we done? Oh my gosh. I think I have done one, two, three, four, five. Okay. And I have six, seven, eight. No, I have four left. You have four left? Yeah. Should we save some? Is this getting long? It is getting long. We're at probably over 40 minutes is, now. Yeah. Um, we can split this into another episode. I know. Yes. I think that we, right now, because there's one thing I want to mention. There's a follow-up that I need to mention for people who were listening to the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop now, and we're going to do another show where we talk about more books from the fall. Who knows? This This could be our topic for September. Right. <laughs> There's just so many of them. We'll update you on what we're reading and what we're looking forward to because this is just the season for books. But my quick update was I asked my mother which book it was. You know, remember when we had the stolen book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was California by Eden Lepucky. Now I don't know anything about that book. So that was a big buzzy book. That that happened, that book came out around the time where I think Amazon had done something with with books, I, with the publishers of books. Like there might have been, I think a contract dispute was going on with Amazon. So they had pulled the buy list on Hachette's books, the buy button. So you couldn't really buy any Hachette books until they negotiated oh, yeah, yeah, under that contract. That. Yes, I remember that. And I believe it was... Colbert, maybe, who took up the cause and got up in arms and they decided to nominate. He decided that he could take on Amazon or was like, you know, rallying the public to take on Amazon and to make one of Hachette's books a bestseller, even though it was not available on Amazon. And there were three books that were up for that, I think, and they had a vote and it was Eden LaPucky's book, which was the one selected. Ah. And it is about, it's sort of, it's a dystopian novel about, you know, something has gone wrong in California and this couple goes and lives in the woods and she, the wife is about to give birth. So they're in the wilderness. Either she's given birth or, or she is about to give birth and they decide instead of being on their own to join this community nearby so it's all about what hap- what transpires in the community, whether they would have been better off staying on 
alone, plus it delves into their past. You know, how did they get to this point where um, they're living out in the wilderness? And it, so it sort of delves into their past and what happens to them once they get to this community. So I read the book. I really liked it, really enjoyed it. I think I, it was one of my book club books. So I can imagine that depending on where you are in this book, um, you'd be hanging in suspense. <laughs> mm, right. You'd be pretty irritated if someone stole it from your, your, right. your airplane seat. So no word on how it might have happened still. I mean, like I said, I mean, what do you do when your book is missing? Oh, you rail against the universe. Right. Rail against the universe. I probably, if I were there and I come back and my book is missing... <laughs> sounds like such a detective case I mean who could you who do you really you don't want to think that the person sitting next to you is going to take your book but but there's not that be, many likely suspects. there's not that many likely suspects you'd have to be pretty brazen to just lean over and take someone's book you know yes totally agree so I think it was the person next to them Tell us, you know, join our yeah. Facebook community. Yeah. Join our Facebook group and tell us who you think stole the book. And let us know <laughs> if you've ever had a book stolen and how you handled oh, it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Well, we'll pick up on, on part two of our um, hot fall books. We may take a slight break from that because we, we're still having someone on to do um, – Celebrity, uh, books. celebrity books. So we'll have to figure out the order of that. So the next show will either be part two or it will be celebrity books. And then we'll follow up with part two after. Sounds good. All right. Well, until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. And you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. And Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time.